In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be reviewing the games against Barcelona and Fiorentina, a mid-season review with Mina Arzuki from ESPN FC, this week's Moji, Frog and Moratti, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Recupera Brazovic, andiamo in contropiede, la porta è vuota, tira, attenzione, e gol, e gol! Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter, uh, the last Studio Inter of 2019, uh, our... our uh, coming to you from a, from, a, from a very difficult week, a week where Inter bottled it again, some would say, myself, I would belong to that group, but we're going to get into all of that. I'm joined by a, a great panel, as always, the Semperinter.com preview writer and our in-house Mr. Positivity, Mr. Mohamed Nasser. Hey, 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 great to be here. Much uh, less to be uh, positive and optimistic about, though, this week. Mm, that's, that's interesting. Um, we're also joined by our good friend from Florida. He's the host of the Alex Dono Show, Mr. Alex Dono. I'm happy to be here. And you know it's been a rough week when even Mo is sounding a little bit down. So hopefully we can pick <laughs> his spirits up. Yeah. Yes, that's that's a good point. And we're also joined by our good friend uh, from uh, the, the, the newest addition to the Daily Mail sports desk, Mr. Will Beckman. Good evening. You think you've all had a bad week. Imagine if you lived in the UK as well. Wow. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> let's not dwell too much on that. But we are also joined for the first time by a very, by a very special guest. Um, she, uh, she it's, it's a guest I've, I, I've been trying to get on the show for quite some time. Uh, and who I've been harassing almost on Twitter. I'm really sorry for that. Um, she she's she writes for the Telegraph. She is on ESPN FC, and she's also part of the excellent Serie A Serie Awesome podcast. Welcome, making your studio into debut. Welcome, Mr. Mina, Mrs. Mina, Miss Mina Arzuki. That went well. You've made me a man now. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, <laughs> Jesus. Sorry, I mean, uh, and then I'm, and then I'm married well, to you. Wait, and then well, I'm married I live in London, so I can feel your pain as well. By the way. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been an inter- it's been an interesting week. Let's let's put it that way. Um, but if we just stick to the football side of things, Mina, um, the, the reason why I wanted to invite you on is because I mean we've spoken a lot on Twitter, you and I, about Antonio Conte, and we kind of have a similar view. But that, that's why I really wanted to to bring you on and pick your brains a little bit about how you see Antonio Conte compared to when he was at Juventus to what he's done now at at Inter. Um, and also, obviously, being when he was at Chelsea. I mean, first of all, my first question is, do, do you see a development of him as a character and as a, as a person and how he takes on his teams and how he builds teams? Or do you think that it's the same old Conte and therefore this is headed for the inevitable, you know, crash in about a year's time? <laughs> I can't see a huge development, but then I'm not sure that it's entirely necessary. It's funny because, like, for example, when I I do the pod with the Telegraph guys, um, they're, like, a little bit obsessed with Antonio Conte. They actually confide in me that they think he's the best coach, like, ever, or one of the greatest (laughs) that they've seen. And I'm always, like, really astounded because, you know, like, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. England has seen so many great coaches, you know? And... (laughs) 
and and they think Fabio Capello is like the worst ever. So okay. I, I'm just, I'm, he is really good at what he does, but he's only ever really good for a specific amount of time and for a specific job. For in my opinion, the real test comes, I guess, not this year because you know he's going to have a great first year. The test will come in the latter years when he won't get everything he wants and then it's about what he can do out of the situation, how he can manage all the competitions if his style of football evolves. Right now, the style of football is still very much what we've seen him do all the time. It is a little bit of an exhausting style um, that tends to have like an impact. But it's funny because I just feel like he's got so many fans that if you say anything wrong about him, it's like, Juve fans are happy to be like, Allegri sucks. And I'm like, I don't understand. The guy won four couple, four doubles in a row. You know, he's reached the Champions League final twice and no one cares. But Antonio Conte is like, oh my God, don't touch this man, you know? So <laughs> I, I'm not sure what, why it, he is so divides opinion, I guess. But for me, like... I'm happy he didn't come back to my club. So how are you guys <laughs> feeling about having a Juve fan on this? <laughs> like, into Well, <laughs> no, no. I mean, obviously, we, we try to, you know, we try to bring in people from, you know, from, from all kinds <laughs> of perspectives. And obviously, you, you're you a Juve fan, but you're also very good at what you do. So that's why we wanted to bring you on and hear oh, what thanks. you think. You're welcome. Um, Will, did you have a question for Mina? I did. I had a couple, actually. One of which is very much related to the discussion you were just having. Firstly, you know, as a as a Juventus fan, I'm glad I don't have to be the one that outs you, as it were. That's already happened. Um, <laughs> I outed myself I, several I, times. Yeah, but yeah. yeah um, I was going to say, well, anyone who follows you on Twitter will know. Twitter. Really, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, so as, number one is, as a Juventus fan, how, how weird is it to see Conte in charge of Juve's biggest rivals? Do you resent him at all for, what, for the choice he made in the summer? Or are you of the... Uh, of the school of thought that everyone's a professional and they should go where the money is and where the, the offers are. And secondly, um, obviously Inter had a very disappointing week in the Champions League. I'm sure we'll get onto that more a little bit later. But um, what do you think Inter should do about the Europa League, given that we do drop back into it again? Should we have a serious crack at it? And if we do, and if we should do that, is there the squad depth to, to get away with that, as it were, without it having a, a negative impact on the Serie A campaign? Um, okay, I'm going to start with that question just because it's the one that I've, I've already forgotten the first one. Um, <laughs> basically, um, I, I'm having problems with my memory these days. It's it's an interesting one because on there was this discussion on, on our pod recently as well about whether or not it would have been better to maybe not focus so much energy on Serie A and sort of like try to qualify out of the Champions League group stage because of the money earned. Um, Europa League isn't going to earn that much money, to be honest. What it does give is a lot of experience. But again, I don't think Inter need necessarily that level of experience because you've already got a lot of great players, players who have played in big matches, who have played in big clubs, maybe not necessarily Lautaro Martinez, but like several others, you know, Lukaku obviously doesn't need the Champions League, uh, Europa League to learn anything. But I think that if you guys are looking to make a statement, then it's better to do so in, in the Scudetto. I'm personally of the belief that you should try to play every game at the highest level and look to see where you get. The thing is, though, is you need to play a different style of football in order to manage all three competitions, which is why usually you have coaches like Ancelotti who win it, because they're much better at, at sort of allowing the football to do the work so that the players aren't exhausted. And also, it is squad depth. You know, at the end of the day, there isn't, it's not really there. And 
I'm not entirely sure that um, with the kind of physical strain that the Europa League puts on, and the this is the first season under Antonio Pintis, your um, fitness trainer. He, of course, is the one who was in charge um, when Zidane came into Real Madrid, and he's amazing. But I, I do understand that there can be certain problems for people in the beginning because getting used to his methods are a little bit exhaustive as well. So I don't think that you have a choice. Conte is definitely looking to push Juve off their perch. And that's all he cares about. And with the Europa League and the fact that it doesn't bring in that many funds, I can totally understand not doing that. Obviously, I always think you should take every competition seriously. But at the end of the day, the squad is not deep enough. I don't think many squads are deep enough, though. Um, I don't know why it's such a... like. I do think Roma should take it seriously because, let's be honest, it's going to be difficult for them to, to manage another trophy for a while. So these are the types of games that you should really go for. As a Juventus fan, I didn't really care if Antonio Conte went to Inter. I know that he was thinking of going to Milan straight after Juve at the time. Um, so, which more than anything, I thought was a little bit strange because Milan had no money. So if you left Juventus because you thought they weren't worth anything more than £10 and they were going for a, you know <laughs> this expensive trophy in the Champions League, then it was very strange to then make the decision to join Milan. Now, what annoys me a little is that he... His distaste for Italian football is is one of the reasons why I also dislike him. And he was messaging recently with one of my Telegraph colleagues about how upset he is about all the openings in Arsenal and uh, Everton and so on and so forth. And it just seems like he doesn't want to be anywhere unless he can be like, you know, the guy that everyone's talking about. And I think that if the Manchester United job comes along, if he's head of Juve, if he's head of Inter, if he's head of whatever it is, he'll drop it straight away and go running to that job. That's one of, this is one of the qualities of Conte that I'm not that keen on. He puts himself ahead of everything else. And I understand that because he's a professional and he's a winner and you have to have an ego to, to do well in this sport. But sometimes I think his ego can be detrimental to his, his career and what it is that he is actually trying to achieve. Because sometimes just being level-headed and taking your time and not feeling like you need to conquer everything in the first 10 years of your management career might actually take you a lot further. Can I just ask a follow-up question on what you said there, that he was texting uh, with, with a colleague of yours on, in Telegraph, that he's annoyed at the Arsenal job being open? Yeah, he, he's annoyed that all these job offers have become open in, in, your, in England, which suggests that he would like to have taken one of them. Yeah, it certainly does. That certainly does. Well, you heard it here on Studio Inter. That's why we wanted Mina, Mina the Juventina to come on to, to break this to break <laughs> news like that. Scoop on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, it's... is that a scoop? Yeah, well, I probably should have yeah. left it to the guy to find sure. I don't know. Now you understand why I wanted Mina to on. We're, we're never going to let you go yeah. now. Dynamite. I'm going to have you. Dynamite. I'm, I'm going to have you. I'm going to have you. Breaks on the Ancelotti story. Exactly. I don't think Everton was the one he wanted. I think that he's annoyed that Spurs was open. And I think uh, yeah. for a split mm-hmm. second, if it was like Spurs or Arsenal, oh, he'd still want those jobs, you know? Especially imagine Conte at Arsenal. You feel like he really would be the man to revive yeah, with Mourinho at Spurs. Mourinho at Spurs. Yeah. Just that. Oh my god! I mean, pop the popcorn, Mina. I'm coming over. Let's watch this. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, let him go for the sake of, you know, our entertainment. <laughs> I mean, just the entertainment value alone. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, that would be that would be something else. Right. Uh, Mo, did you have a question for Mina? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I had a pretty snarky question prepared uh, 
prior to yesterday's results, and it was. Uh, I mean, I can still ask it. It's just, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, glass houses now uh, sort of uh, position. But uh, what would uh, what would upset you more as a Juventina? Uh, losing the Scudetto to Conte or getting knocked out of the Champions League by Mourinho's Tottenham. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and also, nice. thank you for coming on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> look, yeah. uh, I mean, it, it, look, it's clear, it, it's clear that, you know, had we been sitting on top of the ta- the table, it would have would have been a much meaner question to ask. But now you know, now that we're joined top uh, in second place, it's uh, I think it's a safer question to to pose yes, to our one guest. Okay, it's really weird. I I sometimes have a soft spot for certain teams, and I don't actually dislike um, in, Inter. Um, a lot of the times, I cheer you guys on. I don't know why. I'm a very bad fan in that sense. Um, <laughs> I'm, I've several times cheered on Torino in the derby um, because someone would have said a horrible comment to them about them not being, you know, worthy challengers. And I'll be like, come on, Torino. <laughs> and I, I'll get, like, so I'm not necessarily one of those people. I dislike Conte for, for several reasons. Um, so him winning it would be a little bit painful, but not because he's with Inter. Just to him winning in general is just a little bit painful, even if it was Chelsea. Um, because... I feel like his philosophy is winning. And that's the kind of philosophy that I don't necessarily want to be out there. Does that make sense? I feel like he goes against the stuff that I believe in. Um, so for that okay. reason, I'm not a fan of his. With Mourinho, I'm a very big fan of his. I think he's an amazing coach. I've Obviously, he's not always shown that. Let's just say at Manchester United at moments, um, although that's a difficult club to, to really take anywhere these days. But... I'm fine with Mourinho knocking us out. I'm fine with all of that. I, that doesn't have that doesn't create a problem with me. But for Conte, I feel like what it is that he stands for is not necessarily what I agree with. Um, and so, listen, I'll be honest. I was offered the chance to write his uh, um, like a book on him, um, yeah. but uh, there was well, firstly, there was no point because I dislike him, and I think I've made it so obvious <laughs> at this point that like I feel like he hates me as well. So, um, so that it would have been a really bad book. Now I want you to write that book. Yeah, it just would have been like chaos between us. And so I'm Who was like, the journalist yeah. to wrote that book on Mourinho with all those nasty anecdotes? It would have been like that, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would have definitely been like that. It would have just been like... Spanish journalist. <laughs> oh my God, so, that would have I would definitely have bought that. You and Antonio's you, you know, basically going at each other in, in written form. Is, yeah, I want to do like a Legris. Yeah, yeah, like, I you know, He's like, honestly, I'm like so in love with him. And I just feel like if you get him on board, oh, you'll do so well. Mm. Mm. May, I, may I ask you uh, where your distaste uh, for Conte came from? Was it after, uh, after he left or was it during his uh, tenure at Juventus or... Well, when, when, this, when did this sort of uh, distaste for, for him as a, as a character uh, develop? Just asking for a friend, you know. <laughs> um, probably during, his, I think it was as a player um, as well. I wasn't like a huge fan of his. I do like battlers. Like, you know, I am fond of the Arturo Vidal type of players. Don't get me wrong. And, and Conte was very good at sort of making the most of his inadequacies. Um, but... There were just so many things that he did. Like, there was just a Champions League game that we had against Real Madrid, for example. 
And the way that he was talking to Cuadrado, he was shouting at him from the sidelines, telling him how to defend against Ronaldo. And Cuadrado was trying so hard to listen that he basically just let Ronaldo, you know, go past him. And I'm like, stop trying to control everything. Just let these guys, like, trust them. But he always thinks he knows better. And... He, he's always like about, you know, you're not giving me the chance to shine. You're not giving me the players to do this wonderful job, you know. And it's always like this whole sympathy thing where, like, no one gets that he's so talented and we're just simply not providing him with the Messi's and Ronaldo's he needs to win the trophies that he desires. And it, it's oh. just, it's, he's never been somebody who'll just be like, okay, let's sit down and let's try to figure out where am I going wrong? Tell me where I'm. He, he just refuses to understand where it is that he might be, he, he might not be the greatest. And he always and, feels hard done by. And, and you could see that all the time. I mean, what yeah? did you say? I mean, to me, that suggests that it reminds me a bit like Mazzari in the sense that the kind of <laughs> antipatia, you know what I mean? The antipatia, you know, it's never my fault. And he's very grumpy and he looks like the world has got a chip on his shoulder and the world owes him something. I, I, I can see where you're coming from with that. Only the difference being that Mazzari is, is, is mediocre at best. <laughs> <laughs> and then Conte's really good at what he does. And um, Conte can win when it rains. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, he can win when it rains. And also he doesn't he doesn't start have you seen, have you guys seen that when he's blaming diarrhea? That is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. When he's coach of Regina and they've lost to Napoli and in the post matching live, I think it's with Rai, where he's blaming that the players had diarrhea and that's why they lost. It is oh, it's comical. Oh, he, he's unbelievable. It's never it's never Walter's fault. Do you right, think he's uh, the most d- disliked coach, Walter Mazzari? Well, it has to be, and he's brought it all, all on himself. I've ne- I've mm. never seen. I remember that season when he was at Inter and I was at a, at a press conference. I think it was a pre-Derby press conference. And you just, it was, it, when he walks through the room, when he walked in the room, it was as if, you know, I don't, you know, it's, he sucked all the energy out of it. It's like it, the, the entire mood of the room just dropped because he's such a grumpy human being and angry. And he just doesn't, he's not happy. He's not, he doesn't like life and he doesn't like people. And I don't know what, what his problem is. I, I just, I, I can't stand the man. I, I really can't stand Matsari. It's, I, I, I could respect, you know, the result and the work, but as a person, I think he's just, for all those Harry Potter fans, I'd say he's a dementor. He sucks the life out of a room by by just walking into it. Like he's he, oh, oh. You, you and Gab would really get along. <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah, we do get along. Actually. Gab really hates <laughs> Amanda Hardy. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, we, <laughs> I know that. Uh, we don't like that. No, we, we're not. We, yeah, but yeah, I mean that. This weekend, you had the you had you had Nima's worst double combination ever. You had Mazzari at the Bentegarden for uh, <laughs> Verona Torino, your least favorite stadium. Yeah, that, that that's been the unhappiest place in the world. Is that, is that is your the, least favorite stadium? Oh my god, it's 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 basically Mordor. It's it's, <laughs> it's Stadio Mordor. It's basically I like what it. Is. Oh come on, me. First of all, I mean, I, I I went there with an open mind. First of all, it's in the in it's in the horrible <laughs> part of Verona, and then second of all, you know, you go in there and. I mean, sorry, but wanted to buy a beer at halftime. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a woman that I think used to work as a stripper about thirty years ago in a, in the same clothes she wore when she was a stripper, um, putting money into her bra. <laughs> when I went, there was no cash register. Beers were being. Uh, it was just. It was just horrible experience. And and everyone, you know, the the. Oh, I was just. I just wanted to leave. It was. It was literally for me. It was. And it was raining. And and oh, it was. Oh no, it was. It's, it's worse in the summer. 
It, yeah, they don't have I, AC in the press room, and you want to commit suicide. Yeah, no, it's it was it's basically where where happiness goes to die. That's Stadio Mordor and Mazzari there. That's that just accentuates that. Um, Alex, did you have a question for me now? Sure, and you'll have to forgive me, everyone, because with where this conversation has gone, it's really going to feel like we're piling on Antonio Conte. But I, I did, Mina, I did want your opinion because you know Inter's exit from Champions League is certainly a reminder that Conte has the reputation for being a great domestic manager, but you know struggling in Europe, and there's evidence on both sides certainly to back that up. So. In your opinion, what is it about Conte in Europe? Is it formation? Is it his mentality? What has held him back there? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I think, you know, I would have thought that at the time that, that playing such exhaustive tactics meant that it was always going to be complicated to try to win domestically as well as internationally. I don't know whether to a certain extent he's been unlucky in that he hasn't presided over a squad that's full of all this talents that he thinks he can win with. Um, and that he did come into, let's say, the last game of the group stage without, honestly, a, a midfield in many ways. Um, there's always an excuse for him, like in Galatasaray, like it was against Galatasaray for Juventus when they got knocked out because, you know, it was raining and it was this mess and Mancini had arrived and all of a sudden Juve were out. There's always this massive reason why he just never makes it or doesn't do enough. But I think the, tru the truth is, is that he's yet to really figure out how to play against quality. His type of football has always been a little bit vertical, um, which is, to be honest, it's how Real Madrid have won three Champions League trophies in a row. Um, it's, but there's this element of it that just bypasses quality. It's a lot more about energy. Conte's sort of philosophy is about eradicating or at least neutralizing weaknesses. So it's like, okay, let's see, what are you not very good at? You can substitute that with a lot of intensity, a lot of pace, a lot of running. Because as a midfielder, he wasn't great. He wasn't the most talented. He wasn't the most technically gifted. So in order to be a very good player or try to be the captain of Juventus at the time, surrounded by ex excellent players, was to just give more, to give more heart, to be that guy, to battle. And, and he sort of thinks that that's the solution to everything. But then you come up against teams who have quality, who know how to hold, who know how to um, go into the right spaces, receive the ball and dominate the midfield. And then he doesn't really have the answers. And this is what we saw even on a domestic level at the time with Juventus. For example, playing against teams like Fiorentina, who would come back and score three goals in six minutes against us because it was like he doesn't know how to, to cope with this type of thing. So it, it's always bullying. Let's harass them. Let's, let's run faster than them. Let's keep trying to, um, like, let's take the weaknesses that we have and convert it into intensity. And that's always a solution to stuff. And it works for a while, but eventually you do need the quality. And I think this is where you go to sort of the masters of coaching and the ones who do win stuff, like your Ancelotti is, um, like your Peps, where it is about quality and less about intensity. When Pep Guardiola tries to diss you, the first thing he says is, it's a very athletic team. I.e. that, you know, you guys are, you know, that's what he used to describe Real Madrid as under Jose Mourinho. It was, it was an athletic players, you know, um, athletes against basically his quality. And he used to think it was, you know, he was like, oh, no, I'm just being polite. But he's not being polite. He's using it as a way of saying, you're not good enough. You don't have the quality. And I think that what he does a lot of the time, Antonio Conte, is because he's relying on these things. He doesn't actually know how to get the best out of the players he has. So it's more like, okay, I need you to run faster. I need you to press closer. I need you to be there at the right times. 
which is why he can work with players like Arturo Vidal. When Vidal was at Juventus, he was the be- one of the best players that they had. And he was such a soldier, like Bonucci, really was bewitched by Antonio Conte. Allegri came along and he honestly had no idea how to work with Vidal. He was just like, this is not the player for me. You can get rid of him if you like. Um, because he didn't, there were basic instructions that he would need him to do. Like, okay, I need you here to be calmer. Just take the ball and pass laterally. Don't think about anything else. And Vidal would be so intent on being the hero that it just didn't work with his philosophy. He wants to fight. He wants to be the man, you know. And so there was a clash of cultures. Because what Allegri was trying to get them to do was act like these, you know, act like a champion's win, you know, a, a team capable of winning something more than just the Scudetto. And so at times you need to know when to push the accelerator and when to take it off, uh, when, to, when to take your foot off the gas and just learn to manage and control the, the game as well as your energy levels. And so it, it was amazing to see how much quality he got out of certain different players, how much Tevez went up a notch under his control. Whereas what Allegri wanted him to do was sort of be the hero, get the goals, shoot from distance, go for it. Um, And this is where I think that when you come up against teams like Barcelona who can just keep passing the ball and control it, it it becomes a lot more difficult. And this is why I'm critical of Antonio Conte and I get a lot of flack for it, actually. Um, Because even, you know, forget Champions League and forget, forget the fact that, you know, as soon as Barcelona turned it on, Inter suffered. As soon as Borussia Dortmund turned it on, Inter suffered. It's also just, you know, in the domestic games, you could see, like, Fiorentina aren't even a very good team, but they do have, there is this element of, unless you can bully the opponent, I'm not sure what else there is to do. And even by the choices of men that he likes to go for, he likes to go for pace. He wanted Theo Walcott desperately for Juventus at the time. He desperately wanted Lukaku more than anyone else. And it's like even what he wants is always, you know, this physicality, the, the ability to bully Arturo Vidal, you know, those types of midfielders. More than he wants somebody who'll just be like, I'm going to keep the ball and dictate the tempo. And he was very good with Andrea Pirlo. So I don't want to say that he's not a very good coach to, to great talent. But I do think that you have to... He doesn't necessarily know how to bring out the best in, in the good players. More like more more often than not, turns them into soldiers. And when you have soldiers, they can't think for themselves. So in the big moments, unless you're there to control them, they won't know what to do. And that's what happened with Cuadrado against Real Madrid in the Champions League. It's what happened with certain others. Because unless you're there to control every detail, they're going to get it wrong. So the key to it is to teach them enough and trust your teaching that they know what to do when the situation changes on the pitch. That's a really interesting. That's a really interesting point. Um, a really interesting analysis. Um, I wanted to just quickly before we let you go. I wanted to just ask you. Uh, we do this to every guest that comes on, um, and I wanted to ask you to to say your top six from six to one in the city are. What like? What, what do you mean? Like who I think should be top six or who? No, I... no. How you how you think this season will finish uh, from six to one? Oh, from six to one. Oh, hold on, I have to think of the top four and then I have to think the top two. <laughs> I do. <laughs> no, <it's... laughs> okay, from no. six. Yeah, it's the European places, basically. Napoli. Ooh, okay. Oh, no. Do I put Cagliari in there or not? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what to do. Um, can I start from one? Yeah, go for it, go for it. Okay. Juventus, Inter. Lazio, Atalanta. Roma, Napoli. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, who do you think will win the Coppa Cop Italia? Inter. Ooh. What about Capo Cannoniere? Will it be Ciro Immobile or will it be Cristiano? What I hope think? it's Ciro Immobile. I mean, he's such a nice guy, right? Yeah. Did, did you guys like see what he did when, um, um, you know, giving away the goals basically to his teammates and being like, Luis Alves, yeah. it's your turn. You know, he spurns chances for hat tricks. He's such a good guy. So I'd yeah. like him to win it. I know Ronaldo is desperate for it. So no, he's uh, really desperate. For that. <laughs> I feel like he might commit suicide. But like... <laughs> no, it's literally what I think as well. Like when I was watching yesterday, Juve against uh, Udinese, like every time he didn't score, he looked like he wanted to die on the spot because he knows <laughs> these are the games he has to score, like four goals to be able to catch up Chiro. Um, so, yeah, uh, what, so true. what do you think of this, this, uh, this Supercoppa? Do you think like, Simone will will win win that one against Sarri, or uh, do you think Sarri will win that one against Simone? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, it depends whether or not Sarri's learned his lessons. If we're going to go again with this, it's very strange. They brought on Sarri because it's like, oh, Allegri is so defensively cautious, and you know, it's mm. so boring. But it, it's still pretty much boring, and the guy is still unwilling to play the trident, except against Udinese, or you know, here and there for a few minutes. I mean, let's be honest, it's by Leverkusen. It's not like they're I'm not a big fan of the Bundesliga, if I'm honest. And they're, they're, being, they're being run by Peter Bosch, who's like the worst coach. Um, so <laughs> I, to have only brought him on at the end was really bizarre. Like, I, I wanted that Trident to start in all the matches. But anyway, Agreed. Agreed. if he does do that, I think they obviously have the power to defeat Lazio. But if he wants to play with Bernadeschi or some Aaron Ramsey or Rabio, whatever it is, then... <laughs> No, like this is where I, I'm jealous of Inter because you have such a nice midfield when it is healthy in comparison. Yeah, when it's to, healthy. When it's the healthy. last time it was healthy was about 1973. I think. <laughs> <laughs> that was like it. Do you guys think you're, like. no, you you're going to win? No, I, I have. I no, have Inter we'll get on to this, but no. Yeah, no, 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 no way. I, Why? I think because Inter aren't good enough. Look win. at the Juventus. midfield from last yeah. night. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, our backup is Borja Valero and Vasilas Vecino. And, yeah, and, the, and one uh, after, but the next backup after him is Conte himself. <laughs> so, you know. Listen, guys, we have 15 midfielders and none of them are available. <laughs> like, we have literally bought everyone you can imagine and Matuidi was playing left back. So, I'm, I, it really is no guarantee at this point. Yeah. No, I, they'll I'm, be I'm ready, you know, in January. Yeah, but at the same time, I, look, I, I think, you know, Sen Inter, Sen, Stefano Sensi is Inter's Ming Vase. He's, you know, he's pure, pretty to look at, but, you know, you can only have him out once every once every two months. And and that's something that, that's been th true throughout his career. He plays 30, 35 games. Now he's been out for two months. And, and with Pintus and Conte, you know, you don't you don't want to have an elephant near your Ming Vase. And and I think yeah. those two are the elephants near your Ming, Ming Vase. So I, I I don't see I, I think there needs to be substantial they need to strengthen. To me, to me, Kulusevsky is the ultimate Conte player. He never stops running, he, he's good at he goes against goalies, energy, everything you just said, a soldier. That's who he is. Um, I, I personally want him and uh, Tonali, but that's not going to happen this January. So, so I just don't think that Inter have the quality and the depth that Juve have, uh, and that's why mm. I think when the when the Serie A, I think that's that that, that speaks in in his favor. You trust Sari? I trust Sari. Yes, I mean I think this this notion of Sari, yes, he's very un Juve. He's not. He's not. Mm. He's not yeah. who I think when I think of uh, you know Juventus, but but he he does have. I mean the guy is. I mean it, it's it's cl it's clear that 
you know, the European football, those who want to win the Champions League are, are won by the ideologues, at least if you want to look at those who have won recently. And, and so Juve decided to go with their ideologue, but an Italian version of that. And, and so they went with Sarri. There was no other, you know, if, if, you, want, if you think that Allegri is too pragmatic and, and you, wanna, you want an ideologue, then, then who else do you go when Pep isn't available? You go for Sarri. So, so I, I can understand that. I, you know what it is? I, I, it's not even about Sadi. If Inter win it, and I do think they have a really good chance of winning it, it won't be because of Antonio Conte only. It will be because you have Beppe Marotta. And Agreed. Agreed. He is, he's already changed the, the, the guy, the head of nutrition. He has put in all the right you know, cogs in the right places. He is really the guy who makes a difference. And I wish he was at Juventus to pull the strings because he wouldn't have let what happened over the summer, uh, over the summer happen. And I think yeah. that what you have in Paratici and Nedved are people who are obsessed with what is like shiny, you know, like, ooh, the big players, the, the, <laughs> the, the ones that de- deserve a lot of money. Ooh, Sari plays nice football. Let's bring him in. It doesn't matter that we don't have a midfield that knows how to keep the ball except for Pjanic, you know, let's put him anyway. But Marotta, yeah. I feel like, understands how to bring in and who to bring in and how to do the balance. And he does all these interviews that are based more about character than they are about just talent. And I, that's what makes me believe that Inter have a chance. Because I'm not sure that management with Nedved is really the right thing to do at the moment. Um, I mean, already they're bleeding money because of the way that they've spent their money. I mean, Aaron Ramsey on a contract in which the guy's never going to leave the, you know, the infirmary. So I, <laughs> you know, stuff like that makes me angry. But I, yeah. I mean, and Zhang, I think, is, is a really good owner. He just sort of lets yeah. everyone get on with it. You know, that you're making a lot of money and revenue commercially or doing well as well. Yeah. So, I mean, no, these I reasons. I agree. I think Inter, I mean, Suning are the best thing that have happened to Inter since the treble. And, and, and I think they've just completely, in just in three, four years, they've turned everything around. So I couldn't agree with you more there. Um, before we let you go, uh, if people want to follow you on Twitter, uh, what's your handle? And also, what, have you got something you want to plug coming up that people should be on the lookout for? Um, n- no, <laughs> I don't have anything to plug. No, you've got an excellent. No, you have, a bri- you have a brilliant podcast with Gab and. Oh yeah, yeah. And- I mean, listen to that if you like it. <laughs> Most of the time, you've got, you got, you got a book. You've got a book to write now as well. Yes, <laughs> on, uh, Antonio Conte. No, I really want to write one on Allegri. I'm just trying to figure out how I can convince him to let me do that. What is there? Uh, <laughs> I think there should be like a reality show where you and you and mm. Antonio Conte like so, you know get me a celebrity get me out of here I'm a celebrity you and Antonio Conte on an island trying to to work things out it would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? Oh God! Oh, <laughs> I don't think I'm that important to him. But, no, yeah. but I think it's just the fact to see you get under his skin because I think it is funny when he gets annoyed because he looks like a really angry, petulant child when he gets angry, and and I find that rather amusing. <laughs> Sorry. Are, are you going to discuss what happened over the weekend with the cancelling the press conference? Yeah, we are. I wanted to hear you. Yeah, give us your thoughts about that. No, oh, I just feel like a typical Conte, right? <laughs> like, I, I don't really have much to say about it. I do, I do feel sorry for him a lot of the time because he does get awfully, like, he does really have, like, a lot of people who seem to hate him. <laughs> but, 
I mean, you included. <laughs> yeah, but it's not, it's not a personal thing. It's just, this is what I mean by the philosophy of, philosophy of football. I think a really good coach sort of lets the players take the credit. But, you know, Antonio Conte is like, it's me. I did all of this for you, <laughs> you know. Um, and so this is what is so annoying for me when, you know, when you watch him. Also, as a player, when, when I was saying that I didn't like him as well, it was that game that Juventus played against Lecce and he celebrated like he won the World Cup when he scored a goal against his hometown. Yeah, I thought that was really bizarre at the time. Yeah, um, yeah. You support a guy because he's got the right human values, like Duncan yeah. Ferguson, what he did to Moise Ken. It just made <laughs> me like, ugh, you know? That's disgusting. That is the most disgusting yeah. I mean, you don't do that to a 19-year-old, and there was no need for it as well. I thought it was absolutely... But I think, I think that's, that career is being saved by Carletto going to, to Everton. I never thought I'd be saying that sentence in my life. But, I mean... It is upside down world. <laughs> in yeah, it really is. It really is. So, so yeah. Thank you so much. And if people want to follow you, it's at uh, M. Mina Rizuki. Yeah, Mina Rizuki. That's the one. Thank you so <laughs> so much, Mina, for coming on. Thank we you had for having me. It's a pleasure was ours. Uh, to talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Ciao. <laughs> Right, uh, that was the lovely Mina Orzuki. There, you should definitely follow her, uh, her on Twitter. She's absolutely awesome. Um, uh, she um, she she writes really well. And that Serie A podcast with Nikki Bandini and uh, Gab, and also Gab Marcotti, another good friend of our show, uh, is is really really worth listening to. Um, it's it's a good conversation. Right, uh, I thought we should we should talk about the elephant in the room, uh, the Barcelona and the Fiorentina games, because. Um, my my perception on that is that it was pretty much the same thing uh, that that happened in both those games. Inter create chances, Inter uh, <clears throat> build towards something but fail to finish it off, and then get caught out uh, when 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 they when they're pushing. Uh, well, they get they caught out. They get caught out because they are unable to finish uh games off uh, and to and to bury the game and to kill the game off basically but I, I have i have a question for you guys and i wanted to kind of just leave this out and i wanted to start with you mo is this the annual december depression that is or is this the in contes inters version of it what do you think um well i feel pretty depressed so i don't know uh, and it's december so i don't know uh... <laughs> You live in Dubai. What on earth have you bought? The sun is too shiny. No, for you. Like, <laughs> three, uh, three winless games is uh, pretty awful. Uh, yeah, you know, is... considering, uh, like, uh, purely from a footballing perspective, you know, the 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 Barca game, the Barca game was unwatchable. Uh, I think uh, it, it really was the the worst performance uh, of the squad this season. Uh, albeit, you know, understandable to a degree, you know, because of, uh, like Mina had uh, earlier, you know, noted very graciously, we, we went into the game without a midfield, even less so against Fiorentina. So, despite it being baby Barca and it being at, uh, at the San Siro, etc., etc., you know, what was clear is with Spalletti's midfield, you get Spalletti's inter. And this is the exact. This is exactly what we saw in both matches. There was a lack of intensity and belief, and the lack of, like you said, an ability to kill off the match, which of course is not the midfielder's fault because you know uh, Lukaku and Lautaro both had amazing chances, whether against Roma, against uh, Barcelona, and yesterday certainly Lukaku, or the day before yesterday, or yesterday Lukaku against uh, Fiorentina. Uh, so. 
we did, they, the, the attackers didn't kill off the game, but also you have to remember that with our full strength midfield, so much was being so many chances were being created and finished off by midfielders. So the onus and the burden of, of scoring goals didn't fall onto these two guys only when you had the quality. But with with Valero, I mean, despite him scoring a goal yesterday and a very nice goal for that, uh, with Valero, Vecino, a uh, ridiculously fatigued uh, Brozovic, you know. Yeah, yeah, run, run, completely run into the ground. D'Ambrosio and Biragi, you're, you're not going to get goals out of these five guys. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> and, you know, you're playing, you're playing at the Frankie, not at the Firuli, like I said last week. But, you know, you're playing at the Frankie. It's difficult. It's, it's a tough match. There's a ton of pressure. You've already gone to two games without winning. Um, so it's understandable. But it's also, it's also clear that there, there has been an extremely high step in quality in terms of the the people that the, the the management has brought in, and we're feeling the effects of these guys not being able to make it to the pitch. Um, is is this the traditional uh, December you know coma? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I can't wait for the Genoa game, and I can't even wa- I can't wait for the for the Christmas or the winter break to come even more. But then again, how many times have we said that in the last few years? I remember the first Mancini. <laughs> Uh, you know the first Mancini season back, and then the Spalletti seasons. We we it seems like we always hobble into the Christmas break on crutches, and I I, I don't know I don't know. Um, I, like I said, like like we both said, we're we're uh, we're not going to believe until it's April. So anything can happen till then. I would yeah. be surprised. Well, what do you make of this? Will is this um is this the, is this a, the December blues again? Um, I think that the Genoa match will give us a much clearer indication of that um, because these are matches which uh, can happen. They're results that can happen. They weren't bad performances necessarily given the the players that were out there. So I don't think there's necessarily a a mental um, lapse that is is taking place. If we were to play against uh, a team that's fighting for relegation and put in a poor performance and find a way to not win it, then that would become four games without a win. That would be the first game against a very modest opposition that hadn't been won. And then we'd have two weeks to reflect on it. And at that point, things could become very juicy, considering that the first two matches after the winter break are Napoli and Atalanta. So at that point, there would be a bit of a, a panic on, possibly. Um, I, I think the that is almost... Um, that's That's the next big question. We've we missed our first opportunity to improve or to, to make a big leap by not getting through the Champions League group. But the next challenge, as it were, is to avoid this January collapse, which has besieged us in three of the last four seasons. Um, that, well, that's the next way, I think, to judge Conte's work and how much he's brought this group of players on. So I don't honestly feel we have the, uh, the answer to that yet. Uh, what are your thoughts, Alex? You know, yeah, certainly there's December blues, and I I have to give Inter a lot of credit because uh, every December they find new and innovative ways to disappoint me <laughs> when disappointment should not even really exist. And and what I mean by that is, you know, if you if you told me you know months ago right after the Champions League draw that Inter would come in third place in a group, you know, with Barcelona and Borussia Dortmund, I would have said, yeah, that doesn't sound crazy. I, I could see that happening. But but it's the way they go about failing to qualify that, that always makes it interesting when, you know, you get to the final match day in the group stage 
needing a victory or at least to match Dortmund's result to get through and, and you you fall to uh, to Barcelona's B team. But I, I can't say this more emphatically that that to me, that final match is not really to blame because I have so much more regret for, you know, the disappointing draw against Slavia Prague at home for the yes. way they bottled the, uh, the the lead at Barcelona, the way they bottled the 2-0 lead at Dortmund. Like, it, it wasn't even so much to me about the, the final Barcelona game against the B team because they certainly did create more chances than they conceded in that game. So you, know, you consider the midfield, you consider how tired the attackers are. I could understand that happening. It's more, you know, the way that they went about bottling the Champions League group stage, which, which is disappointing. But as far as, you know, the way... The way Inter is playing, and you know the uh, the disappointment against Fiorentina. Anytime you know a team equalizes in in injury time, it's going to be a major letdown. But uh, I agree with Will that the Genoa match is going to be very telling, and I agree with most of what Mo said as well. And I mean, guys, the way that I look at it is, yeah, it's unfortunate the timing of Inter always going through stuff like this in December, but. Um, it's understandable, uh, given the state of the midfield, given and, and you know, Brozovic could really use an ice bath. You know, I know that uh, at this point, Lataro and Lukaku could really use ice <laughs> well, baths. Like the, the winter break is suspended. That's, yeah, yeah, that, that's a great yeah. point. That's which, which is another thing that's going to make it tough against Genoa because, yeah, because Brozo and Lataro won't even be available in that match thanks to those yellow cards. But uh, honestly, the, these performances, given the thinness of the squad, and, you know, the state of those who have to get on the pitch, what, seven times in the last 25 days. Like, I, I know it's always disappointing to lose like you did against Barcelona or to draw against Roma where you had more created more chances than against Fiorentina where you created more chances. But, guys, if I think about this pragmatically, uh, these results really aren't too surprising and we just need to have a good January Mercato and we need to, you know, get some of these bodies healthy who aren't healthy right now. And I think the situation will work itself out. Yeah, I, I think if you're gonna make more. a if we're gonna make a list of reasons why into have dropped points, that there's there, there's no getting away from the fact that, you know, the the squad is is a little bit um ravaged at the moment. You know, in previous years, I don't remember there being injury issues like this when the the, the bad results have come. It's been a mental dip. Um, I think it's it would be too harsh to blame this on some kind of mental uh, lapse or some kind of inability to sustain good form for more than three months because it was obvious, you know. And the, the the worst part of the injury crisis coincided with the toughest run of matches. So, you exactly. know, it, it's 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 too early to say that. We will find that and, out. And if, and if it also, happens again, then you know we'll have, yeah, to, but, we'll have but, to talk about it. But at the moment, I don't think we're we're at that yet point. And and also we have to, you know, as 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 Alex alluded to, and I think uh, you know you did as well a, a little bit. Is that look. Yes, Inter can disappoint us because they're Inter, and that's what they do. But at the at the, at the end of the at the end of the day, if we look at this from like if we zoom out and look at this from a broader perspective, Inter are on same points as Juventus, sixteen games into the season, with one game left against Genoa. Um, if they win that game, they're level points with Juventus after almost half the season. Uh, that's that's amazing. I did not expect that. Um, they they have a defense which is the best in the league. They've only conceded 14 goals. They they haven't scored as much, but you know that that was they're, they're third in that. So so in my opinion, I think this is still as it was a disappointment not to go through from the Champions League. Fair fair enough, all of that is true, but I think it would be very unfair given the injury situation and the crisis that 
he has had to deal with Conte. Uh, I think it would be unfair to to not give them uh, the 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 to, to give him the benefit of the doubt and call this a a, a, a this, the December angst or depression, de- December depression or whatever. But one thing is definitely clear, and that is that Stefano Sensori, Nicola Barella, Gagliardini, Asamoa, Candreva. All of these players won't be back for that game against Napoli after the Christmas break. Uh, and then you have Atalanta immediately after that. Um, January is going to be hectic. And Inter need, to, Inter need to, 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 to sign players quickly, even if it's on loan or whatever. But they need to get these, these things done ASAP. Because I think, to be perfectly honest, he's kind of already overperformed a little bit, given the circumstances. Without and, doubt. And and I think it would be very un. It, it's you can't count on him doing that time and time again. Um, so so no, I I think I think it's it's it's. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, we, we're going to get into it now. When we think about the, the the Genoa game, I think Inter will go into that game, and I think Inter will win it. Uh, mainly because I think because I think Genoa Genoa are so bad. The they they are not good enough to be able to with, withhold the pressure. And I think this is one of those games where Sebastiano Esposito or Politano will score if they play next to Lukaku. Uh, I'm hoping it's, uh, it's Esposito because I think he deserves a start. I think he's earned it. Um, but uh, I think Inter will win this game 2-0. Two, two no. um, and I think that Esposito will score and I think Lukaku will score and we'll go into a harmonious Christmas period. Um, does does mystic mystic positive Mo agree with me, or is mystic Mo in a negative uh, feel, feeling a bit negative about that? Mystic Mo predicted a three 0 will against uh, Fiorentina, so uh, mystic <laughs> my, mystic Mo's uh, bearings just keep on getting further and further away. Like, soon enough, I'm going to be like so mysterious like how how is this guy predicting things so badly that's that's what's going to be mystic about me you know <laughs> well as long as we can keep calling you mystic mo i'm happy um Look, so what do you uh, think I, 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 as a man from a, an eastern background mysticism just runs through my veins so i'm happy to be called that anyway okay no but i i digress no i think i think i think you're quite right i think the genoa game you know i think uh everything being said about the decimated midfield etc i think uh even if even if players have to play out of position um uh, i mean th- th- there is a chance that asamoah is back correct if i'm not mistaken yeah. Uh, yeah. Asamoah, maybe so. even Gagliardini. so yeah. and uh and from what i'm hearing as well yeah so so i mean look even with the eleven men uh, who played yesterday, should should no one had been suspended and them being at the same level of fatigue, been go against go out against Genoa, I think it's a straight straightforward affair. So I think I think it's going to be a, a, a pretty uh, uh, underwhelming win, but a win nonetheless, a very important win, a much needed win, and and we're going to need every last bit of the three points before we go into the break like you said you know it's on it's not like uh january is going to roll roll in and and then it's, it's all fun and games and you know rainbows and uh, unicorns it's uh, a tough <laughs> game. probably without uh, without the two-star midfielder still you know so uh it's not a walk in the park so i think i think we're going to win I, I i hope that uh, like like you said i hope it's esposito i think he's i hope he gets a goal i hope lukaku gets a goal just to shut everyone up a bit uh yes. And maybe it's a nice, it's a nice uh, two-nil, straightforward, uh, 
unspectacular win. I'll take that. Will, what do you say? What do you predict? Yeah, my vision for this match is pretty similar. Um, there is a bit of uh, bitterness in thinking that the guy who's going to be managing against us is probably still serviceable for our midfield in this current state. But one <laughs> Tiago Motta in, <laughs> in that midfield. But, uh, yeah, I, I think 2-0 sounds realistic. I, I am very interested to see who he picks, Conte, because if he were to pick Esposito alongside Lukaku, I think the rumours surrounding Politano's future would would increase ahead of the January window because he has given a, an impression that he's not really the biggest fan of Politano and Politano didn't exactly come on very well against Barcelona last week, to put it mildly. So, or um, Fiorentina, or every no. other time. He's well, no, but he's so. not playing well, is he? And I think that's probably partially the result of the fact that he doesn't really feel that the coach has got much confidence in him. So at this point, if he's, if he's uh, ignored in favour of, a, you know, admittedly a, a very good 17-year-old, but a 17-year-old nonetheless, I think uh, him and his agent might start asking some questions over the next few weeks. But no, I think that this will be a, a fairly ugly but necessary and much-needed win. And I hope so, because... While we were talking over the last few minutes, I've just been thinking about what's been happening over the last few years. And the match before Christmas is always nasty. Because, and I, I, I know this because I, I know that on Christmas Day every year for the last four or five, I've had a bit of a, a frown thinking about what's just happened. You know, <laughs> last year, we conceded a stoppage time equaliser to Kievo at the Ventigodi. Yep. Two years before that, we lost to Sassuolo with a missed penalty. You had the defeat against Lazio with Felipe Melo doing his kung fu kick the year, a couple of years before that. You know, it's, I was it's there. Always, I was there at the yeah, stadium. There's always that. something quite, um, quite unpleasant. So I hope there's no um, nasty surprise um, yeah. in let's store. Kill, let's kill that tradition. Mm. Um, Alex, Alex, where are you on uh, this game, uh, prediction-wise? Yeah. I just hope I can eat my panettone in peace on Christmas. <laughs> Um, I, I, I think Inter wins the match. I think they make it a little bit more difficult than it has to be. Um, I, I would love, I, I hear you guys talking about maybe 2-0. I would love that. I, I'm thinking more 1-0 with the Lukaku goal. But uh, I think they get it done so I can enjoy my Christmas. But you know, maybe my pre-Christmas will be a little bit rocky, but I think they get it done. I mean, if, if, if there ever was a vacancy for the role of patron saint of Panettone, it would be you. I love I, it. I, <laughs> yes, well, I, and, I and also, guys, I'm so vocal about my love for panettone because <laughs> that's what I mean. <laughs> it, it, well, it, it, in the USA, it's uh, it's not very like a lot of people, and it's funny because every grocery store there's a ton of them. Like there, there's huge display cases of panettone. Yet I can't tell you how many people I talk to that don't know what it is. They don't understand it. I try and preach the panettone gospel because it's a it's a relatively new thing in the USA. At Alex Dono, if you want to know about Panettone, believe me, you will. Um, My son loves Panettone, by the way. He's not even two years old. He loves it. Does he have a choice? I mean, did he eat that and Panettone? That's that's pretty much... That is is fair. That is fair. But he is a very picky eater. He calls the Panettone, he calls it a big muffin, and he eats it happily. And that is what it is, basically. It's delicious, I think. It's a giant muffin. It's a giant cupcake. Right. Um, let's uh, let's uh, move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute with the piss out of and criticize someone or something in the world of football heavily, starting with uh, the negativity this week's Morji, which will be presented by Mr. Alex Dono. Well, once once again, guys, Syria uh, uh, finds a way <laughs> a a difficult situation and makes it a lot worse than it should be. So I 
I, I think a lot of us have probably seen this, but Syria Oz new anti-racism campaign, keeping in mind that it's a huge problem in Italian stadiums, the racist monkey chants. So how does Serie A combat this? With posters of monkey faces. And if you, know, if you hear from the artist who they commissioned for these posters, who, by the way, only paints monkey faces, that's his specialty, you know, went on and on about how, you know, he needs people to see that that we are all monkeys. So you take the racism out of the term. Bottom line, guys, it's it's outrageous to see, to understand just how short sighted, how how far sighted Sadia is with this problem, how little understanding they have of how to fix this when their way of purportedly uh, combating racism is to create posters of monkey faces like it's insulting and you see the way now the league is being covered because this is being covered in news stations all over the world unfortunately with stuff like this like they need to bring in a pr team from outside or something because everything they try to do to address this situation just seems to make it worse than it was before yeah and that's the that's what i you know that's the weird part about this the most the most disturbing part about this is after the Black Friday front page, and it's the same thing here. They don't, they just don't get it. Uh, they think that they did something, you know, good here, and that they were going to get bats on the back. Instead, you have black players outraged and pissed off. You have everyone in the world look, wondering if if they're if 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 this is a joke, like they're if this is a practical big practical joke. I mean, it's just. You know, I, 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 I'm at this point. I'm. There's nothing more to add, and 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 it's, it's, it's the fact that you know the, the, the people running the city uh, are 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 people of a certain age and a certain social class, social economical class that have never been outside and see how things are perceived outside of the little bubble they live in, and that's um that's what's so. That's what's so sad about all this, because there is, of course, anyone with half a brain knows that the city uh, aren't being racist by doing this. Okay, I mean, this is their anti-racism campaign for crying out loud. They thought this was a good idea to show that if if one is a monkey, everyone's a monkey, and that's the end of that discussion. Only, it's not because things aren't. This isn't 1955. You know, it's, it's things evolve, things have meaning. And, and the, if you want to address an issue of monkey chanting, you don't put up a poster of people looking like, mon- like of monkeys. It's just, it makes no sense. To me, it just, it just makes no sense. And there's no, there's no need. I mean, I saw, I saw a tweet that I absolutely loved. It was um, saying basically that when they wanted to stop, when, when the Serie A wanted to stop, um, uh, the Serie had, I'm going to quote it here, I got it now. It's uh, Pablito, at Il Cano in Event 22. He says, the Serie had no problem getting out a straight message when they made illegal streaming a priority, but they keep struggling to reach a wider audience for, anti-ra- for the anti-racism message. Stop and think of the reason why. And that's absolutely true. There's no need to go, to, to jump through all these hoops when you're saying, when you're trying to make a, make a campaign about racism. Uh, Keep. There was no need for this. This is such a big own goal, and I, and I feel and a part of me feels bad for them because they thought they did something good, and instead this just explodes in their face like a. I mean, this went down like a lead balloon, and and it's and it's like it's time for them to bring in someone 
from outside of the bubble, you know, the same people they've been working with for a hundred years. Bring in someone else to, to kind of help you, like Alex said, about how things are perceived, especially when you're trying to market the league outside of Italy. Yeah, and, and Nima, when I when I first saw this, uh, one of the first things I did was I, I sent you a message because I yes, thought it might did. be a joke. Because yes. I, I, I wanted to make sure that before I read further into the story, I wanted to make sure this wasn't someone just trolling and making this yeah. up. I couldn't believe it was real. No, exactly. And and it's um, it, that's exactly it. And, and, and it, I, I saw a really good tweet from a Gazeta de los Sports Spain uh, correspondent, uh, Filippo Ricci, who said that, the, you know, Italy in Italy, everyone thinks that this is an anti-racism campaign outside outside of Italy. Everyone is, you know, scratching their heads, wondering if their eyes are deceiving them. Like this is this is where they are as a country, and and I think we, you know, there is racism in Italy, but this is not an instance of that. This is just ignorance. This is ignorance of 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 the bubble. They live in their own bubble, and they need to come out of the bubble, and otherwise they're just going to keep making these own goals. Um, and it's it's sad because we all love the league, and we we all love the football, and and Inter, of course. So it's it's just sad. It's just sad. Right, um, let's move on to something much more comical, this week's Frog, which will be presented by Mr. Will Beckman. Yes, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to go back to UK politics for this week's Frog, because football didn't offer me anything particularly interesting. Um, (laughs) Boris Johnson is the Frog of the Week, uh, which sounds a little odd, given that he's just become... uh, the Prime Minister with a nice majority. But before that, um, he gave us a marvellous moment on uh, Good Morning Britain, uh, a TV show on ITV here in the UK, um, where in order to duck uh, an interview from uh, the ITV reporter <laughs> who came to uh, uh, ask for an interview in a, in a fairly sort of polite way, he hid in a fridge. Um, so he was positing uh, Modern Milkman, which is a business uh, in Pudsey in Yorkshire, which is a constituency that the Conservatives were in charge of before the election and still are now. Uh, the reporter approached him and asked him, you know, would you come on Good Morning Britain, Prime Minister, for an interview? And one of his aides, first of all, was heard mouthing, oh, for bleep's sake. Uh, and then, um, you know, the the, you know, the questions and the, and the request continues. And eventually he, ret- he returns into this massive walk-in fridge and uh, doesn't come out until the... Uh, until the moment has uh, has passed live on television. So uh, yeah, if you think that your uh, your own country has a an untrustworthy and uh, rather dodgy leader, at least they don't hide in fridges to avoid um, public scrutiny. I've Merry Christmas, of, everyone. <laughs> I've, I've heard of I've heard of hiding in the closet and stuff, but I, the fridge was new. And it, that, that was that was new. Um, <laughs> right, the, let's let's go with something much more positive this week's. Uh, uh, Moratti, which will be presented by Mr. Monasa. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. Yeah, it's uh, not a very uh, not a very wide array of uh, you know options to pick from this week. So I have decided to you know uh, flip it over and say that my Moratti of the week is Federico Chiesa. For his absolutely <laughs> disgraceful performance yesterday, which hopefully will convince people like uh, <clears throat> a certain host of this certain uh, uh, podcast that this little scum oh. should be kept 
nowhere near a piano, nowhere near the San Siro, at least not in black and blue, you know? So, uh, oh, uh, really, what, a, what, a, what an awful player. What a, you know, disgusting player. And at such a young age, to be focusing so much, so much on winning professional fouls rather than developing his own game. I mean, clearly the kid's got talent. Of course, we know this. It's undeniable. But just, you know, we're talking about, you know, being tone deaf and whatever, you know. Of course, it's different to the to a much more serious topic than racism. But he just doesn't get it. He doesn't get what no one's personally attacking you. You you like everybody wants the best for Chiesa because of his talent. You want you want him to achieve his potential, and he's just not going to get there by doing what like disgraceful performance yesterday. Absolutely awful. So uh, I'm glad Alex, that you know Alex put out a tweet which I absolutely wet myself. <laughs> that tweet of that guy jumping from I think is like what. And meter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, is it to me. He's, he's an Olympic diver. I mean, that's what I see when I watch that guy. Oh, that he's Tom a, Daly I... with a slightly bigger nose. <laughs> <laughs> right. Before we get started. So, I mean, I hope yesterday's, uh, yesterday's performance finally settles it for all people who might have had any sort of, you know, oh, inkling or uh, that, that, that said, uh, another Moratti, uh, of course, was, uh, you know, in this sort of uh, flip reverse kind of uh, way with Politano yesterday, because I think uh, there, there is good business to be done, to be had with, uh, with Fiorentina uh, over the, the winter break. I'm looking at, uh, you know, Castrovilli. Uh, so maybe, maybe that's, that's the sort of business that we can do to bolster the midfield up. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, honestly, it's been a, it's been a tough week. Uh, it's been a really long time since we've had a three-match winless uh, streak. And um, yeah, let's hope that uh, when we speak after the new year, the first poll after that, there'll be lots of positivity to talk about, you know. Agreed. Absolutely. Um, that's uh, all we. That's absolutely true. Um, thanks for that, Mo. Uh, and also, I, I want to give a. I really do want to give a, sh- a little Moratti also to Inter for finally putting the foot down. I wish they had done it previously when Corriere dello Sport put that Black Friday thing out. But it's clear that they were they were they were they were so tolerant that they were even letting that fly. But when when they published this ridiculous letter sent from a this fake letter from from a supposed fan sent from an email address that doesn't exist insulting and ripping Antonio Conte apart they they just they had enough and I'm glad that they put their foot down and I'm really really glad that Antonio Conte said that you know enough is enough you if you want respect you have to show respect uh, and I think they did the right thing in boycotting the the press conference I think they should have probably just blocked Corriere dello Sport uh, but but they did they did it as a to prove a broader point and that is that people in the media have a responsibility and you need to you know and, and you need to shoulder that responsibility wisely uh, so so I think that was for me that was a very good that was a good move from Inter's part uh, right, that's all we had time for this week I'd like to thank Minar Zuki for coming on and also you will Thank you. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy New Year. See you in Merry 2020. Christmas. Indeed. And also you, Mr. Alex Dono, Mr. Panettone. Always, always a pleasure. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all. Yeah, likewise. And, I, and I'm really looking forward to watching you eat as many panettone as humanly possible between now and the next episode. And put them I'm all off to a nice start, Nima. So it's, Oh, yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
and Mr. Monasa, Mr. Positivity. I don't, I don't like this negative blue Mo. I like Mystic Happy Mo. The guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yes. it's all there. It's just uh, it's all good. It's all good. Happy, uh, happy festive season. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to everyone. May uh, Interbells be playing in the corners of every oh, home. Oh, for goodness sakes. Uh, we no, almost got that. Did you have to ruin it? Right. No, no, no. I'll tell you what. I'll, know, drop, I'll drop the Chiesa thing if you drop the Interbell thing. That's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christmas truce, isn't that lovely? Yes, yes, exactly. In the spirit it's of Christmas. a Christmas miracle. <laughs> exactly. Now, right. Now, I think... we can... right, sorry, just one, one last thing. One last thing before we go. <laughs> now, if only we can just talk about Handanovic being at fault for the goal before we go. But anyway. <laughs> no, we cannot. No, we sorry. Right. Thank you to everyone who's listened in 2019. Thanks to all our guests. Uh, and until uh, next next time, um, my name is Nima Talalay Rutsari, wishing you all a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and three points, and sempre and solo Forza Inter. Ah!